here's the thing to consider. We all know that we have to do every single mitzvah, whether we consider it to be an important or what we consider to be a not-so-important mitzvah. But what about the question of prioritizing? Maybe there are certain mitzvahs that have to be dealt with first because they're more central, and others should wait till later. On the parasha, which opens up by saying, and when you will listen to what Hashem says, Pirish Rashi, that the word Ekev is quite relevant over here. Rashi says what it means is that if you will listen to the so-called light or so-called less important mitzvahs that a person often tramples with their heel, then Hashem will give you the brachas. Where is Rashi basing this on? His source is the Medjashtan Chomet, except it says it a little differently over then. We'll analyze the difference. The Medjash Rabbah says, what is Ekev Tishmon? Those mitzvahs that a person doesn't pay so much attention to and throws the, those mitzvahs, so to speak, under their, under their heels. So we have to understand. Rashi's interpretation actually makes sense when he says you might trample on the mitzvahs, which means that you, you don't consider them, you kind of despise or degrade such mitzvahs. Move on. That we understand how it's alluded to in the Pasuk, where the word is Because that's exactly what it's saying, right? How do you trample on the mitzvah? With your heel. So then the, the parish makes sense to be using the word heel. But the Medrash says something different. The Medrash says you take these mitzvahs and you throw them down under your heels. That's not so clear, at least on a pshat level. If we're talking about a person, so to speak, throwing away a mitzvah and not observing it, what's that got to do with your heel? If, as the Medrash is suggesting, that we're dealing over here with people who ignore mitzvahs because they're not that important, that's not called throwing them under the heels. That's called throwing them away altogether. That's question one. Furthermore, the Medrash continues. That this is actually something David HaMelech said in Tehillim. It was a fear that David HaMelech had. Why should I be afraid in the difficult times? Because I'm afraid that the Averis of my heels will surround me. Says the Medrash. David HaMelech was saying, I'm not afraid of perhaps ignoring important or central mitzvahs in Judaism. What am I afraid of? From the so-called lesser mitzvahs. Maybe I transgressed one of the lesser mitzvahs. Whether I did or did not perform the mitzvah. Because it was a so-called less important mitzvah. Viata or Marta says the Medrash that really the attitude of Torah, the way Hashem says it is, is that a person should be as scrupulous about a mitzvah that is a lesser mitzvah as they would be about a serious mitzvah. That's what the Medrash says. Really does not seem to make sense. Are we suspecting David and Melech right now of less than absolute commitment to Hashem? 
Come on, it goes without saying that David Amelech was cautious and scrupulous about every single mitzvah. Even the so-called lesser mitzvahs. As the Medrash itself says in that conversation. Following directly on the part that we've just read. Says the Medrash, that the same David Amelech said, that your servant, referring to himself in the third person, so he's referring to himself, is I essentially was scrupulous about the mitzvahs to keep them Ekev Rav. What does that mean, Ekev Rav? Says the Medrash to Koyala Mitzvahs that David Amelech was saying, I was really careful about those lesser mitzvahs. And the Medrash puts it together and says, the word Rav is associated with the, mitzvah, with the, with the Pasuk, how much goodness has Hashem treasured or stored for those who follow his mitzvahs. And which mitzvahs? Ekev, the ones which are mitzvahs kalois. So what's going on over here? Seeing as David Amelech by the account of the Medrash knew that he was careful about the so-called lighter mitzvahs, why would the Medrash say that he was afraid? Maybe I didn't do these mitzvahs properly. Which one is it? So the Medrash sounds almost self-contradictory. Fabirba said the explanation is, yes, of course, we're not suggesting for one moment that David was lax in his observance of mitzvahs. So what are we talking about then? The Medrash, the Medrash is not talking as we thought about somebody who throws out the mitzvah altogether and says, I don't believe in that, I'm not doing it. That's not what the Medrash is talking about. The Medrash is not describing a person who is of the view that you don't have to be so worried and careful about mitzvahs that are not so important. And if that's the case, the Medrash is certainly not talking about a person who discards and disgraces lesser mitzvahs. It emerges actually that the Midrash is discussing somebody who says, I will be committed even to those mitzvahs that I don't feel are so important. Not only does he agree that they should be done, he does them to the best of his ability. So what's the Medrash describing? What the Medrash is describing is somebody who takes those lesser mitzvahs and drops them to the last item on the to-do list. He keeps procrastinating. It's not such an important thing. I will do it. I agree to do it. Just right now, the priorities. I have bigger mitzvahs I have to focus on. In other words, the logic of this person is This person says, first you've got to get your head healthy. Which means there are major elements of Judaism that you have to observe. Is your Shabbos right? Is your Kashrus right? Is your Talmud Torah right? Whatever the person believes are the central pillars of Judaism. Get them to be healthy without a foundation. Nothing will stand. Then you can get to the next level of secondary mitzvahs in this person's uh, perception. Things that are also kind of important. 
And then down the line, one day, when you're ready for it, when you've learned enough and done enough and are from enough, then you can undertake the things which are the trimmings, the edges. Hidur mitzvah, doing something beyond the requirement of halacha, that's all the way at the bottom of the priority list. The person says, look, it, was, it would not make any sense that you start your spiritual progress from the bottom up. There's got to be a seder. Start with the most important things, and then you could have the luxury of dealing with lesser things. Logic says that if you are defining an order of events, you start with the most critical issues first. And as long as you haven't fully mastered the big issues, you don't yet have the luxury of thinking about other things. And if you don't have the the, the basics, right, you certainly do not have the freedom now to start saying, I want to be extra good. Things that perhaps this person in their own mind thinks are reserved only for the, you know, those people who are more advanced in the Yiddishkeit. So here the Rebbe is going to give a very clear example. So you come to such a Jew who thinks along those lines that there is a hierarchy of Judaism. And you say to this Jew, you need to have Avas Yisrael. Which means, you tell him, That Avas Yisrael includes that you even have to be good and loving to a person who has never added any value to your life. You have never had any benefit from them. Not only that, Maybe you've never met him. Like the Baal Shem Tov says. So you tell this to the central Torah, he responds, he says, How can you expect of me to have such a high level? The Baal Shem Tov's Avasisot. Do you know who I am? I'm just starting out. I'm trying to get the basics together. I should have that level of connection like the Baal Shem Tov expects or, or could achieve. The person will say, there are far simpler elements of Judaism that I haven't yet mastered. You know what they say? Don't try to run before you know how to walk. And I'll prove to you, I'm, I'm being honest with myself. There are Jews who I know personally. There are even Jews who I've benefited from. Person says, sometimes I, I, I fail when it comes to Abbas Yisrael for people I know and people I deserve to give goodness to. Says, Don't get me wrong, I'm not a malicious person. I would never do something bad to somebody else, but I'm not yet perfect. Now you want me to go love a stranger, some Jewish person I meet on the street who's not as religious as I am? Another example. How can you demand of me that I should learn Chumash Tinim Tanya every single day? How can you expect of me that every single day I'll never miss the parasha with Rashi, the Tilim of the day, the Tanya? Sometimes I don't even get the davening right. 
<laughs> I'm still trying to make sure that I always daven every single morning and at the correct time and with focus. And now you're telling me I should already jump to the next level? What sits at the heart of this person's argument is that Obviously, every single element of Judaism is my responsibility. Obviously, I have to do it. But I'm not yet at that level, as they say in the from world, I'm not yet holding there. So I have an excuse for now. I believe in it principally, and I believe I'll get there. I'm just not there now. And you have to go in order. First, I have to dedicate time, which includes the principle that if you repeat a behavior for 30 days, it sticks so I've got to do that first for what the Shulchan Aruch demands. And I have to commit myself to the things that the Anshe Knesset HaGdola instituted. Thereafter, after that period of time, then I'll go to then I'll work on the other things that were instituted in Judaism post Shulchan Aruch, all the way to the Ramah. Then I have to focus on that generation, the Ramah and his contemporaries, and the commentaries on the Ramah. And only after I've mastered all of that, the whole voluminous uh, part of Jewish law, then then I can I can progress and I can uh, upgrade to all these wonderful things that you expect of me, to go beyond the requirements of the law, to have mili de chasidusa. So this person is not trying to get out of it. He's not trying to shirk responsibility. But he says very clearly, everything has to follow an order. The Rebbe says that he once spoke to, as it says in the Bilti Mugasicha, to a Musarnik about how you have to have Avas Yisrael to the nth, beyond the requirements of Aloha. And the person said, it's not the way, step by step. And he had ready prepared in his pocket, he had a perfect marshal. He says, this, this Heverman said to the Rebbe that if you try to have Avis Yisrael for everybody in every which way, like the Baal Shentav expected, when you're not yet holding there, it's like walking in the street without shoes or clothing, but wearing a tie. That was his perspective. You're jumping the gun. Now, we could justify this way of thinking, even based on Torah thinking, because Torah does believe that there's a principle of Seder. Even if you could justify this way of thinking, which says everything in its time, and we go through Judaism as a progressive experience where you add more and more observance. You know, Emma saying, okay, as beautiful as this argument sounds, it's false. Because one of the cardinal principles of Judaism is that our service of Hashem should be founded on emunah and accepting what Ebeshter wants from us 
rather than what we understand to be. Therefore, mitzad emunah v'kabol ha-so'el, הרי האדם זוהיר ולא רק מתקיים במצווה קלה כבחמורה. If you have emunah, if your basis of Judaism is not what I understand, but rather that I believe this is what the Ebesha wants, and I'm willing to accept Hashem's authority, then I know that right from the get-go, I have to not just keep it bizarre, be enthusiastic and scrupulous about even the most so-called minor mitzvah. And that means that I have to be as committed to the so-called lighter mitzvah as I would be to the so-called more serious mitzvah. And the Kodesh mitzvahs, why do we do mitzvahs? Do we do mitzvahs to score points so that we can get a portion in the next world? Do we do mitzvahs because it's our culture and heritage? Do we do mitzvahs because it's socially responsible? None of the above. And the Kodesh mitzvahs, mitzvah mitzvahs, the reason we do mitzvahs is, as the name itself illustrates, it comes from the word to connect and come together. The reason we do a mitzvah is to connect to Hashem's infinite being. And that theme is equal in every single mitzvah. It makes no difference which mitzvah it is. It connects you to Hashem. And it's quite logical, by the way, because if you think about it, the, the mashal that we often use in Hasidus is what happens if you have a king and the king has a particular task that he needs done. And he calls on a person, as Altarepa says in Tanya, a very simple person. He says, do it for me. Now there's a connection, there's a relationship between them. I, what the king wants is a very simple task. I, the person, is a very simple person. It doesn't matter. There's a meaningful connection now because you did something that I wanted. So as far as we're concerned, it makes no difference if the mitzvah that I'm doing is, let's say, keeping Shabbos or Kashrus, or if the mitzvah that I'm doing is a certain hidur that a Jewish person is possibly supposed to observe. It doesn't make a difference. Either way, I'm showing commitment to Hashem, and either, either way, I'm forging a relationship. And therefore, it's ludicrous to start creating for myself an order of progression, telling myself there's a hierarchy of which elements of what Hashem wants are more important. Don't try that at home. Don't turn around to your spouse and decide for your spouse what things he or she wants are actually more important than the other things. Technically, it makes no difference if what I'm about to do was mandated almost 2,000 years ago by the greatest sages of the early Talmudic period. Or if it was instituted by my contemporary rabbis, it doesn't make a difference. The main thing is, this is a portal of connection between me and Hashem. There's no head, there's no foot, there's no top, there's no bottom, there's no higher, lesser. Every one of these is an opportunity to connect to Hashem. So if infinite Hashem comes to you and says, would you like to connect to me? Is it logical to say, no, I'm not yet holding there? I haven't yet mastered another area, so I'm not going to connect to you here right now because I haven't mastered something else. No, that's a rejection of Hashem. Kabbalah Sol says, if this is what Hashem wants me to do now, I'm going to do it. And if I'm not perfect, that's okay. I'm still going to do it. There's only one problem. We don't get to think about this objectively. There's another voice in our heads. And that voice is a professional. The Yetzirah is a well-seasoned professional. 
as the Friedrich Rebbe would call it, a smart one. That's why the Yetzirah came up with this brilliant idea. Tell people not to do things until they're at the right space, the right level, the right headspace, the right focus. And the Yetzirah is so good at what he does in order to get the idea to stick in the human neuro pathways. He comes up with some good mishalim, like the guy without shoes and clothes who's wearing a tie. So you have to know that it's the Yetzirah's ploy, the Yetzirah's scheme. The key to Torah and Judaism is to accept what Hashem says even before you fully understand it. Like the, the, the classic argument of the Tzedukim who thought they were such rational people and basically as a result of that rejected most of Judaism. And they said, that's the problem with you, with you Jews. You are too, uh, too excitable. You put your mouth before your ears. You commit to something before you understand it. Yes, that's how we do it. We actually, Judaism is built on going against what makes sense and against what is orderly. Further than that, the Nabi says, Who is blind other than my, sis, my, my servant? Saying, People are going to say that. That's going to be the argument. They're going to claim that those of you who are serving me, Hashem says, well and properly, the world will tell you that you're blind. Or as they call it in today's world, fundamentalist. Kloimer. That means the Navi is, is prophesying that any time a person says the way a Jew should live and the commitment a Jew should have to Torah and mitzvahs should be like a slave ready to do the bidding of the master, which means that the, the foundation is not what I understand, but rather what I trust and believe and accept that Hashem wants from me. Let's say you're, you're like a blind person. You're fumbling your way through life without any seichel. What are you, thick? What are you, naive? The logical way is think about it, assess it, research, and then see. If I try to the ex to, to the to the extent of my intellectual abilities and I get stuck, then I'll call on faith. But which thinking, upright, ordinary, normal person is going to first start with faith and only then switch on their brain? The Friedkeber tells tells a story. He tells a story about his father that when he um, hired, his children were young, so he hired, I think it's actually talking about the Rebbe Marash, if I'm not mistaken. The Friedrich Rebbe tells the story in the name of his father, if I'm not mistaken. So he, um, he, he hired a, a, a teacher for the students. She does the Shalom Sorry, the Friedrich Rebbe is saying when his children were young, that he hired a, a teacher. This particular Malamed had an attitude which is, don't scare children 
with illogical stories. Don't tell them stories of miracles. Don't tell them things described in the Torah that are not understandable, that we haven't proven scientifically. His attitude was reserve the mind-blowing stuff for adults who've already got the mind-supporting uh, um, stuff. Now, once an adult understands things, then you could shock them with miracle stories. But his attitude was, if you introduce to children concepts that are not logical, that are miraculous, that are supernatural, you're just going to blow their mind. Not going to be health, healthy for them. And therefore he took an attitude that the way you teach children is you only explain things to them that make sense. Soon as the Rebbe Rashab heard that this was his shita, he dismissed him. That's not how you, that's not how you teach children. The foundation to teach children is faith in Hashem, is acceptance of Torah. One of the reasons the Rebbe made Sivas Hashem, so that children should be trained to accept like a soldier in an army. This is what you have to do. The basis should never be intellect. Even the things that make sense, don't do them because they make sense. That's a bonus. Do them because that's what Hashem wants. And that's the same thing that applies to education. Dafka teach children about miracles. Dafka introduce them to things they cannot understand, that, that confound the mind. That will instill and ingrain in them faith, which is critical for their future. All the arguments people say, but this is an illogical approach. And all the arguments that say, why do you want to scare children or, or shake their understanding of the world with these supernatural things? Know where that all comes from. That comes from the Yetzirah, who's an old, foolish Foolish being the operative word because it sounds so logical, and yet it's not. Now we can properly understand what David Amelech's concern was. David Amelech was not concerned that maybe he had ignored mitzvahs that are not that important. His concern was, Yiras David Amelech his concern was, He never for a minute doubted, maybe I didn't do the, the, the minor mitzvahs properly. Because he knew that he was careful with them to the point that he deserved the great reward, which is specifically for minor mitzvahs. What he was worried about is David Amelech was worried. Maybe I didn't commit to those minor mitzvahs with the same enthusiasm and the same attention to detail that I gave the major mitzvahs. I know I did them. Maybe I did them a little bit more lackluster. Maybe I did them a little bit less attentively. 
David HaMelech we're talking about over here, one of the greatest tzaddikim of history. He did every mitzvah properly, with the greatest attention to, to, to detail. But David Amelech was worried, maybe subconsciously knowing that that mitzvah is chomor and that mitzvah is kal, maybe it just dropped my level of enthusiasm a tad. In David HaMelech's self-assessment, he said, if I don't do a mitzvah with my all, I don't feel like I've done the mitzvah. And that's why I'm worried, he says. Maybe those lesser, minor mitzvahs, maybe because I didn't invest in them with every inch of my being, maybe they'll count against me. Bimeira, what's he saying? When was he afraid? He says, I'm afraid in the bad days. What are the bad days? Koi al That means the days where life follows the natural process. Because the natural process isn't easy for the Jewish people. Our reality in the world is what we're like one vulnerable lamb surrounded by 70 bloodthirsty wolves. And that's not just anti-Semitism we're talking about. Even when it comes to earning a living, the nature for us is an overwhelming place. So, therefore, we have to know, as the Rebbeim said, that when it comes to things like earning a living, we cannot rely on nature. We don't rely on nature. We don't earn through nature. Times are so tough. There are so many issues. The bottom line is we get our sustenance like mun, something completely supernatural. But when a Jew starts to take an attitude towards Hashem's Torah that he gave us from Shemayim, this is priority, less priority. And he conducts his Yiddishkeit based on those limiting perspectives. With such a narrow approach. Then that Jewish person receives the same kind of attention from an high. Ah, you want everything to be We'll be with you too. You want everything to go Fine, you can then live through the role of nature. And how does nature operate? It's not so favorable to us. But when a person doesn't make all these considerations, all these budgets, when a yid only simply wants to be connected to Hashem, to be connected to Hashem's essence, and therefore this person is dedicated to Hashem with all the commitment of a child or of a servant, regardless of what mitzvah I'm doing, I just want to be connected, I want to be dedicated. That's what I care about. Will this connect me to Hashem? Then I'm in. 
100% commitment. Then when a person takes that attitude and approach, then from on high, they treat that person the same way. No considerations. You don't have to follow the laws of nature. You don't have to wait until you reach the point of success. In that case, a person doesn't have to worry. Then you're connected directly to the source, to the essence. And Hashem is in control of everything, including nature. Then you can be comfortable and confident that this great shepherd will protect that one sheep surrounded by the wolves. And then you could be sure that you'll be guided, as David Amalek says, and tell him through the beautiful pastures, the menucha, the, the place of calm, and we'll have every single thing that we need. As the parasha itself says, Vahaya means you will be in a joyous state. That means you'll listen to the positive, sorry, you'll listen to the minor mitzvahs in the same enthusiastic way you'd listen to the major mitzvahs. Then Hashem will keep His covenant. And then you'll have all the beautiful brochas that the Pasuk spells out. They will love you and bless you and cause you to multiply. And then you'll be blessed by all the nations. And then very soon, in the schus of our absolute dedication to mitzvahs without creating some self-conceived hierarchy will be on our land together with Mashiach Tzikeinu.